0: All right, welcome back to episode 90. Good deals are found, great deals are made. Part three of the three-part interview with Travis McConaughey. Let's
1: go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams.
0: All right, everybody, hey, 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 welcome back. Part three of the three-part interview with Travis McConaughey. So I hope you had a chance to catch the first two episodes. If you haven't, you know, they're sitting there on the podcast player. They're waiting for you. You're not going to miss anything out by listening to this one first and then going back if you want. But each of the two other episodes do lead to each other. So I encourage you to go check out those other ones because it's kind of a little bit of a... We're telling a little bit of a, a story, right? We're weaving together... A story and having a wonderful conversation with Travis. So in this one, this is was actually when I originally recorded this, it was a four part video series. Okay, there might be a a little break in towards the end of going, well, I got to reset the cameras. Well, you know what, I reset the cameras real quick, we just will cut right into the part four. The fourth part was about 13, 14 minutes. What we're going to do is we're going to cut them both together. And this one will probably be just a little bit longer than the others. Between this one and the last part of the four part, which is only a three part in the podcast that we're doing. So have I confused you yet? Have I confused you? So just as an FYI, this is the last episode. This is part three of the three part Podcast interview with Travis. Okay, in this one we talk about uh, busting through some obstacles, about, you know, when you get into a little bit of some sticky situations, how do you bust through? How do you turn messy deals into good opportunities, right? Travis is a master of essentially, you know, I call it the selling by storytelling, right? The selling by storytelling method is, you know, he doesn't have a big PowerPoint presentation 25-page slide deck and all that kind of stuff. He just tells the stories of properties and he tells stories of what he's doing. He just tells other people of what he's transacting and people just love it. They gravitate towards it and they just say, yeah, if you ever want to have somebody else be part of your next deal, let me know. So Travis subscribes to the selling by storytelling. And really, if I can say this as well, is every deal and every transaction has a story. And how is your story Telling abilities and how is, you know, it's it's a fine art. A lot of people, when they're telling stories of deals, either do one of two things. Most people, this is an overgeneralization, most people either go way on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Are you getting the point? <laughs> and then a lot of people sit there and go, well, please just get to the point. Or somebody will sit there and not, give enough information will be just too short and people will go, oh, um, I don't get it. I don't understand. So there is a fine art about telling the story of a deal so that it's compelling, so that it's interesting, so that you show your excitement. That's the main thing, honest to goodness, about the telling of the story. As, as I'm sitting here in my office right now and I'm actually getting, I'm sitting up taller. I'm, I'm getting excited. I'm getting fired up because telling of a story, what people will more gravitate towards is the excitement and the enthusiasm and the passion and the fever that you have for your deals as opposed to just, oh, this is the deal I'm doing. I bought it for this price. Got a mortgage on it. Put a tenant in it. Or if you go, man, this deal was holy moly. It had a whole bunch of ugliness and tenant. And I walked into it and woo-wee, did it smell. Smell the high heaven, if you will. And then you tell the story and you get excited about it. And you just share the energy around it. Because that's what people gravitate towards, is the energy that you bring. And people want maybe a piece of that energy. And they'll want to partner with you and work with you because you're bringing an amazing energy to it, so in this one, when we also end off towards the end of um, talking about how Travis structures his deals, and more most importantly, which I like to leave off on all of these interviews, is what's next? What's next for the guest? What's next for that? And Travis has a wonderful mission and a wonderful vision that he has, and he starts outlining that and sharing it. And I, for one. Cannot wait to see Travis bring this to life because he just knowing what he does and knowing who he is. And I hope you get a chance that you're listening to this, Travis. You are a fantastic human being, you are a wonderful person. And, you know, I just, you know, love you like a brother. And just wanted to just say that to you if you are listening, Travis, and can't wait to see you bring to life the vision that you talk about here as well. Okay, gang, as you can tell, I'm gushing a little bit and I could go on and on and on, but let's get right to it, to the third and final part of the interview with Travis McConaughey. All right, welcome back, everybody. Here with Travis. Travis, it's like you're just weaving this story and this journey, and it's like there's there's ups and downs and twists and turns and a car chase and a bank robbery, and all it, it's it's fascinating. I hope everybody can just see um, Travis's passion coming through with with a lot of this. But you know, one of the principles I talk about is you need to be known for something, right? And you've become known as somebody who who gets deals done and gets good deals and makes money, but. It wasn't that way right from the beginning. Some people going, well, you know, it's just Travis. You know, he's got all this experience and he's a unicorn, right? He's, he's one in a million. And would you say that? that you're, I know you are unique, but well, what would you say to somebody who's just starting and maybe doesn't have the experience you have yet?
1: Well, I, I put a quote on my computer and that's maybe a, a good starting point here. Yeah. And it says, fear is holding you back. And so many people are scared to pull the trigger. They're scared to do something and they're scared to take action. And I've never really had fear. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to keep going. And farming really taught me to overcome a lot of hurdles and massive, massive hurdles. Um, I remember one night, we're an example, we're combining, and our oats were going maybe 160 bushels to the acre. And, you know, that night, the wind blew, and it took 60 bushels off the crop, we come back the next day, and it's 100. So you lost 60 bushels of you on a thousand acres times the price of three bucks. It's a lot of money overnight. Wow. Or the hail comes, you lose a million bucks overnight. Mm-hmm. So I've been able to deal with huge, huge challenges with, yeah, farming. So when I get into real estate and you deal with, you know, maybe a toilet or a, whatever it is, it's just, they're small. Mm-hmm. And I say every day there's, you know, a whole bunch of stuff and it's always, it's hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. And you got to keep getting back up. Yep and yeah,
0: get knocked down 10,
1: get up 11. Yeah. Just <laughs> like, I've been knocked down so hard so many times that just, you don't even, you don't worry about it anymore. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, a dead appliance, a dead furnace that I got to watch how I say this. Because we've had some tenants, mm-hmm. you know, not so pleasant things have happened. Yeah. but you think life moves on, and you just got to keep going. Yeah, it's not easy; it never will be easy. But you know, pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and you've learned a lesson. Yeah, we talk about the six hundred forty-four dollars I made for two thousand hours of work. Yeah, if I didn't do that, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at.
0: Yeah, it's tuition.
1: Yeah, really isn't yeah.
0: what is whats uh what Calum Ross says <laughs> is uh, he's never lost money on an investment. He just paid some higher tuitions yeah. on some properties. So and it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, I think it's actually it's necessary. So if you actually yeah. haven't had some massive and some big failures and some big challenges, you actually haven't either done enough or you haven't been in the game long enough.
1: Yeah, I mean it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, you get a JV partner, and I haven't actually worked with a lot of JV partners, and yeah. probably. Maybe ten percent of my portfolio is J V. Mm-hmm. So you get into there and and all of a sudden the guy doesn't come through with his commitment. And yeah. It's like, now what? Well, you gotta get to the end. So how do you get to the end? Well figure it out. Sit back and and look at what you have. You know, maybe some things have to shift and you have to not go so fast, but you know, you get to the end. Yeah. Just re jig and it'll be okay. At the end of the day, everything's gonna be okay.
0: Yeah. And, you know, at, at a worst case scenario, if you have to, you know, some people say, well, what about my reputation if I can't close? You know what? If it's, you know, your reputation, it can be fixed, right? It, it's time <laughs> will come, people will get over it. But, you know, those kind of things, nothing will be that dire that you will not be able to overcome and come back and quite frankly, come back even stronger.
1: Oh, and it, it's so true. Like my friend, they say it's not all daisies and daffodils. Like mm-hmm. it's, yeah, you get knocked down yeah. and... The thing is, if you're in the game, you just keep going and, you know, you, you get up to the bat and you hit lots of single, you get to the first base, yep. lots and lots and lots. And, you know, the odd time you get to home run. Yes. And, you know, the more you're in it, the more of the home runs or grand slams you get and, and they're happening. And it's like yeah. every six months I'm getting a, you know, major now and you don't see it necessarily coming. And it's mm-hmm. like, boom, you're in there. You don't know what that person brought to the table. You bought them. They had a free lunch. Yep. But all of a sudden, you got this massive deal. And it's like, wow, this is exciting.
0: Yeah. Success <laughs> swinging singles is yeah. what I call. And then, lo and behold, like, most people are sitting there only at the plate looking for the Grand Slam. And in the meantime, Travis has bought, you know, in six months, you've bought another 24 places. And then yeah. all of a sudden, boom, then the Grand Slam still comes. <laughs> and so, both of them, each of you have got one Grand Slam. But in the meantime, you've also got 24 other properties on top of
1: that. Yeah. And a lot <laughs> of people, like... I've never been one to flip because in my market, I actually can't make money flipping. I probably sold 15 properties. Mm-hmm. So in my market, it doesn't work. I don't actually really believe in flipping. I would believe in flipping into my portfolio. Mm-hmm. So long term buy and hold, yep. stable, boring. You got to do the same work to fix the house. And yep. 90% of everything I got is fully renovated. Yep. So, you know, I'm flipping, but then in the back end, I'm getting cash flow and I don't care if I buy lots of you know, random assets, if your goal is cash flow, start getting them. So you don't actually, you're not forced to sell, forced to flip to bring cash flow in or forced to maybe, you know, work that job, mm-hmm. like get 10 of those houses producing whatever and live frugally.
0: Yeah. Well, a flipping model in business could be a way to generate the down payment income to buy a buy and hold place. Yeah, and I know some sure. people that do that uh, quite successfully in some markets, you just, you can't rent them. In some markets, but quite frankly, it looks like you found markets that, yeah. you know, that it is, they're just pure cash flow markets. And you are getting appreciations and you are getting, you know, all the pay down and all the wonderful stuff about it as well.
1: Yeah, every market's different yeah. and it's sort of figuring out your niche in your market. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. Joint ventures and structuring your deals. So people are coming to you you got lots of deals.
0: People are, well, how can I give you my money and things like that. So how do you typically split your deals? Do you just do things on a joint venture? Now there's going to be lots of questions and conversations. So give some thought to how you structure your deals and maybe ownership positions on who does what and things like that. So do you have a, a standard model that you use or do you kind of just do a whatever each deal is unique and go from there?
1: So yes. lots of
0: talk there is a question in there. So yeah. how do you
1: structure your deal? So the the beginning JV, yeah. we got to back up the summer I did the seven modular mm-hmm. homes. Yeah. Number eight actually I, I had money and I was gonna you know keep going. And I randomly had a phone call from a realtor and she said, you got to come to my office, I have a deal. Mm-hmm. And we bought a thirty-three thousand square foot foreclosed meat processing plant. Now it had all the equipment in it. It had been federally inspected and it was looked maybe messy inside. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know what a lot of the machines were. So you ask, how do we structure a deal? Well, in that deal, we needed to say yes immediately. So how do you have the cash to pay cash for this massive, large building mm-hmm. full of meat equipment? So what I brought to the table was I brought a team and history and knowing how to solve the problem of repositioning this building. Right. So we created industrial leases. So that's number one. The other person brought to the table the fact that he was an expert in meat equipment. Okay. So he came into the deal and he actually sold off all the, more or less all the machines. Okay. So, you know, here on a Milford, Saskatchewan, we're loading meat equipment to Destin for Lima, Peru. Crazy. Okay. <laughs> My joint venture partner. Yeah. And the third person comes in as a realtor, you know, an expert in, you know, buildings, but an expert in leasing. Right. So we put three people together with sort of minimum money, but by having the three of us, mm-hmm. we made a very successful JV. Right. So it's that's interesting. Farming-wise, mm-hmm. we have the land and the buildings. And the other guy has the machines, the know-how, and the people. Right. So we're not really talking money there. We're mm-hmm. talking you know, bringing a very strong team and a very mm-hmm. strong base of resources. So most people think that the only resource that's needed is money. And that's the missing resource. I was Because typically,
0: most people, that's what they think think in the lenses that they're looking for it's only money that's missing
1: yeah a lot of the time it's not the money it's like you know i'm dead in the water if i needed to sell all this meat equipment Mm -hmm. i have not a sniff what it was right so that's the point is bringing the right team to get it done Mm -hmm. moving forward people came to me because they had money and they wanted to do stuff yeah so what i've learned now is you know i took some partners on that maybe couldn't qualify or maybe are older. And that can be a challenge if you wanna grow your joint venture. Mm-hmm. So if you're 40-ish like myself and you're taking on 65-year-old JV partners, they're looking to another stage. Right. And you could actually have a lot of equity in certain things and you can't use it to grow. So that can become a problem. So be very aware of you know, maybe the ages.
0: Mm, yes, um, everybody's have- on different stages and phases. Hey, everybody, I'm sure hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just wanted to take a quick pause to today's show and share with you a key real estate team member to help you grow your real estate portfolio. When it comes to funding your income properties, it is critical to take a strategic approach versus a traditional transactional approach to your financing. In order to grow, you will need access to capital. And if you're feeling like you've hit the wall with mortgage qualification, I'd encourage you to speak with one of the team members at Streetwise Mortgages. They've helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios and also brand new investors get into the game of real estate investing. Book a time with them to have a custom created financing roadmap. On top of the financing roadmap, you'll receive a summary report on the best 18 Ontario markets to invest your money. To book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, please email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That's info at streetwisemortgages.com. There'll be a link in the show notes below. Enjoy the rest of the episode.
1: Now back to the show. So then how do I structure my deals? So right now when I come in, a lot of people will go and raise money. They'll break the building. So say a JV partner gets 50% and the guy doing the deal gets 50%. Well, I'm actually pretty good because a lot of people might buy a ready-to-go property and do a 50-50 and somebody buys the deal. Well, I'm doing a really messy deal Mm -hmm. because I'm creating so much equity. So generally a person puts in the money, I find the deal, but then on the back end, I try to give all the JV partners money all back. Right. Really quickly. Really quickly. And then recycle.
0: Yeah. And then just keep them going and keep it going. So really, you know, I structured as, and this is what I'm going to share tonight, and you may be aware of this or not, it's of four things. There's money, mortgage, management, and mastery. So for this case scenario, if I was splitting this out, the actual how to put the deal together, the mastery Of it, the deal of what's in Travis's head—that's the lion's share of the weighting—is on how to put the deal together. The money sounds like it's actually quite irrelevant, almost. Yeah. Right. And then, mortgaging sometimes there's a little bit of value there, but also the management too. So there's, there's, you got the systems in place. So it's yours is more very heavily weighted too the actual good deal that's being put together.
1: Yeah. And the more of these I do, I realized that I was doing so much work mm-hmm. and I'm so non-traditional, you know, people say, this is how you do a JV. Well, you don't know until you've been there, Yeah. you know, and unfortunately you could go and do 15 deals with, you know, random people. And then you realize, Oh, you're out of time because you're so heavily on the management because you're mm-hmm. the master. Yeah. So now I'm realizing, okay, how do I compensate myself? because I'm the master and because I'm the manager. Mm-hmm. And that was maybe the missing part. Yep. So we'll just allude back to the Pierre Paul model. When he buys apartment buildings, cleans up the problem, refinances, pulls equity. Yep. So when I got JVs, I take their money, I put the JV money into the deal, we'll do a very, very creative deal, and then we'll return the money. Right. So it's sort of the same as the apartment deal. Hmm. So that's part number one, is trying to get every dime every time. Yep.
0: Yeah, every dime, every time, and the velocity. Nice. Yeah. I like and I was that, gonna say right? velocity. Yeah. So that's
1: you know, what a lot of people forget is velocity because mm-hmm. you could sink a hundred grand into a deal and it takes a year, but you could take that hundred grand and recycle it six times mm-hmm. and keep going. So velocity is number two, and then on the third is if you got these assets, how much cash flow are you getting out of owning the assets is the number three. Right. So it gets really interesting, you know, once you start hitting two, three, four. Right. So there is
0: no real, you don't really have, you know, a lot of people just want to have what's the cookie cutter answer and they want to process this. You're like water. It flows. It's very, it's very fluid, right? And how it's structured and each deals, it's got its own uniqueness.
1: Yeah. So there's sort of two things and not exactly sure how Mm -hmm. yours are, but you know, you have a JV agreement on the Mm -hmm. top. Yep. Now that's, you know, in Saskatchewan, we register them through information services. So there's like a provincial registry of joint ventures. So you could have... um,
0: So that joint venture gets registered on the title or you can actually, there's an entire registry of joint ventures.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like a corporation. It's essentially equivalent of a corporation, but it's a joint venture. Okay. So as an example, I have Thompson Logistics joint venture. Right. That joint venture files income tax every year. That JV is made up of A, B, and C.
0: Right. Yeah, I've, in some of the conversations, there, they'd be like unanimous shareholders agreements yeah. in essence, right? They're essentially a joint venture agreement with articles of incorporation attached to it as well. So you incorporate yeah. the JV,
1: right? Sort of. Okay. They have the JV agreement for the joint venture, and then you can have three corporations own the JV or it Yeah, so if the-
0: you and I were to do a deal, there would be a joint venture, yeah. and that would be an incorporated entity,
1: Registered entity, yeah.
0: Registered, yeah. yeah. And you could hold that via a holding company or a personal. Yeah. And I could hold my shares. Uh, either way, However I want it. whatever yeah. way works for me too. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so I think we're yeah. the same
1: thing. And then the next part of that, so we've got this, and then if you got a whole series of deals down here, yeah, like or the umbrella if they're up here. So you got house one, building all these series. Yeah. So each of these has a memorandum of understanding. Yeah. So then you got the terms of the deal in a memorandum on the top. Yeah.
0: Memorandum understanding. Very similar to, uh, you know, expression of interest or letter of intent or it's not a legal document or is it, a, in your case, is it a legal document?
1: Well, they're written up and signed by the people in the joint venture. Yeah. So everybody agrees to it, signs it off, but those are just
0: like, it would be like an addendum to the agreement. In essence, each deal has its own. Yeah. M- but M-O-U. you start
1: doing a lot of different houses and, you know, one might be easy, one might be hard and the splits might change. Right. So So then each memorandum
0: of understanding has its own unique splits and money in and things like that.
1: Yeah. I'm a non-traditional JV person because my deals are generally quite complex in the single family world. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you have like this overarching registered joint venture agreement that kind of has a lot of boilerplate templates and standard exit clauses and all the the lawyer mumbo-jumbo.
1: So all done by the lawyer. All
0: done by the lawyer, yes. And then each one of the deals has its own memorandum of understanding that spells out the particulars of that deep transaction. Yeah. Okay,
1: good. And then the other sort of nuance in here is some people get in and you do a project and You don't know what the exit necessarily is on the the day one, Mm -hmm. but I've been doing projects and they say, well, you know, funnel the money as the project comes along Mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily have a separate bank account. So I've made that mistake. So now you need a separate bank account for each project with every different person instead of having your main company and getting the money flowed through. Right. It just, it gets way too complex on the one end.
0: And how you learned most of this is you had personal advice from your accountant and your lawyer, because you have other business holdings and other other business interests. And we never did complete the story. Do you still own the travel company or did you sell that one off?
1: Yeah. So actually, the year previous to the, um, you know, doing the JV on the farm, we sold the travel company. So that doesn't exist. But, you Mm -hmm. know, that said, um, I've always loved traveling and I continue to travel an awful lot. It's just been fascinating.
0: Well, that's what people from the prairies, they just, you know, they get the travel bug. So <laughs> being yeah, by right. those oceans that we were in their prairies, right?
1: Yeah, I, I got to back up on this. And, you know, why am I, you know, an action taker? And why could I, you know, maybe a great negotiator, great at doing deals? Well, people say, why are you good at what you do? And I say, it's the markets of the world. I tried to hit 100 countries by the time I was 40 traveling, and I'm just about there. But that said, when you get into a, like a random country of Oman or, you know, going all through Asia, like, you know Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, mm. going to South America, you're always dickering whether it's on a hotel room, a car rental, you know, buying food or buying a pop in Europe or whatever. You're always making a deal. You right. get deals done and they have to be quick. So, you know, that's number 1. The, the number 2 is when you're traveling, you get into the most bizarre situations. So, how do you handle yourself in crazy crazy place? Um one is when we you lost the prop when we were in Antarctica. Mm. So, are you of the right mindset that you can deal with you know adverse scenarios mm. and you know I very well am you know because yeah. I've you know yeah. overcome so many travel hurdles right you'll always get out you know it might not be pleasant at the time in the end you'll look back and it's like what did I learn and how do I move forward yeah. and and I know
0: just, I would imagine with you, you're just keep your wits and keep your calm and cool. And I don't think the, you know, if I check the pulse, I don't think the pulse gets too high. the yeah. Probably you were most nervous ever when you were get, just getting married just recently. So
1: interestingly, when I stopped farming and I, you know, joined Rain, started doing real estate, you know, full-time, now all of a sudden I had the time to do what I wanted. And that's sort of the biggest takeaway here is, you know, I never needed to buy residential rental property. I'm doing it because I love it. It's just this game and, you know, passion of it. But the bigger thing is, are you living the life you want to live? Yep. And are you maybe living life on your own terms? Right. When I started doing what I want, no, I yeah. absolutely am. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I told the story to Russell and I told it to Rain, the year after I was farming, I had a girlfriend and I, I booked a trip to Europe. I was with the girlfriend and we walked on the beach in just outside of in Italy, just outside of Rome. And on that beach, I picked up seashells. And the seashell to me is a symbol of, you know, doing what you want, when you want and living life on your own terms. And I'd given Russell one of these seashells. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's really meaningful because if I didn't go to that rain meeting and if I didn't take action to change my life, I'd probably still be, you know, sitting in that tractor, still working long hours, still not getting away when I wanted. And, you know, up to the marriage, you know, not having wife today. And moving forward, you know, I want to have children. I want to keep traveling. I want to Mm -hmm. keep helping the community. So doing what I love.
0: Yeah. And I just want to thank you for that. (laughs) Because well, well, number one is that that seashell was just so heartfelt. And and the message that you'd shared of giving that of just, it was just such a a heartfelt gratitude. Thank you that you gave. I actually keep that season. And I can't remember how long ago is it now? It was did you say? So
1: I picked up the seashell in 2013. 2013.
0: So we're talking five years. I actually have that seashell on my bedside table on my lamp, right beside my bed. So I see it every night for going to bed and I see it every morning when I get up. And it's just a reminder of such a heartfelt thank you and a gratitude. It just reminds me of gratitude is what it does every day. I I think
1: it's reciprocal though, Mm -hmm. because if I didn't have great people in my life, Mm -hmm. such as Russell, like the gratitude is both ways. I wouldn't be where I am now far from it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have you know, beautiful wife. I wouldn't maybe have the beautiful life. Like it's awesome. You know, now I can hopefully go sailing in a month with my wife. Like this is mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah, and to continue doing those things, it's mm-hmm. awesome. So, what's next for you?
0: What's uh, I know you shared a little bit about the vision. Are you just getting started in real estate, or, well, or are you going to
1: take a little break, or what's? I got some here? interesting things. So. Yeah.
0: So hang on, <laughs> Time out one guy. We're just, I'm going to just reset the camera because I don't want to run out on. I don't want to run out on this. I think Travis is just getting rolling here, so I think we got some good stuff to cover here. So we'll be right back. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Sure hope you enjoyed the three part episode with Travis McConaughey. Uh, what were your key takeaways? What were some of your key things that you gleaned from this wonderful story and in depth interview with one of the most interesting people in real estate that I know? He's just one of those guys that just every time I get a chance to meet him, I always leave with a big giant smile on my face because he's just an interesting character would be the best way I can just describe it. So if you've met Travis or had the opportunity to have a conversation with him, you'll never forget it. Okay. So, but what was your key takeaway from that? You know, maybe what are you going to implement within your real estate investing business? Now I know Travis, And the stories and the strategies he talked about is I totally get it. It's not for everybody. It truly isn't. And I've mentioned this in the last episode, that it is for somebody that maybe has aspirations of going full-time into the business. It's somebody that maybe wants to get into and make the side hustle the full hustle, if you will, within real estate. But it is a full-time business for Travis. It is a full-time job to searching out assets. And just honest to goodness, probably the miles he puts on his vehicle of getting going around Saskatchewan and Alberta and small towns of seeing properties would crush most people, right, just the schedule you would keep of that. And just imagine you probably wouldn't be able to do that if you had yourself a full-time job or a full-time gig. But if you have an aspiration... To get to that level where it is full-time, where you're full-time in the business, this is a wonderful example and a wonderful inspiration for you to take that next leap if that is the direction you would like to go. Now, if that is a vision that you would like to go towards, let me know. I can help. I truly can't. I've been very blessed with um, helping some of the most high-performing real estate investors across this country, helping them transition away from their jobs, helping them transition into if full-time in the business of real estate is in the cards for you. I've been helping people out for to be truly honest, I've been helping people for 20 years of doing that. But I've really been just really stepping into my power probably for the last five years of helping people on a professional coaching relationship. And if you're interested in having that conversation, if you would like some help for you to be able to take that next leap for yourself, let me know wherever you're listening to this podcast episode, there will be a link to get a consultation. I would be honored if you'd like to have a consultation and see if this is a fit for you. And if your coaching on a one-on-one basis is not a fit for you, you would have heard probably multiple times throughout the interview of this thing called the Raising Capital Academy. Travis is a contributing member. I think he's got like about three or four different contribution pieces within the community. There's a link where you'll be listening to this. Check out the Raising Capital Academy. It is probably one of the most resource deepest materials that you will find on the the planet. Oh, that's a little bit of an overstatement. One of the most resource rich. Uh, materials that you will find in the space of online education for real estate with regards to time management, education, real estate investing and overcoming the biggest obstacles you will face and that's finding the capital and most importantly attracting the capital to you. So if you're interested, check out one of the links in the show notes below and take it from there. Okay, gang. So hope you have yourself a wonderful day. Uh, the next episode, we're going to be doing the uh, year in review. So I'm putting it on this one. So I have to hold myself accountable to get it all done and record it. And it's been an interesting year. Uh, the one thing I'm wrestling with right now is how deep do I get into it? Because there's a, a few things that are really unfolding as we speak. And yeah, I'll save that for the next one. I have some thinking to do about how deep I want to go into that episode, but it's been an incredible year. Now, I would encourage you, as somebody who's listening, is have you done a year in review? Have you done a year in review? Have you shot a video? Have you shot a podcast? Have you recorded? Have you typed something out? Have you shared with maybe people that are on your social media of what has happened for you over the past 12 months and doing a little bit of a year in review? It's not a... You know, a braggy, braggy, look at me, look at me, unless that's what you need to do. That's okay, too. But mostly is maybe it's um, a re- reflection. Maybe even if it's just doing it in on a piece of paper in a journal and just writing it out and nobody's going to see it. Have you taken the time to reflect upon the year that was, 2021, and have yourself in a wonderful place to really set up 2022 with some power, some excitement, some incredible goals that you have. And one of the things I'm going to be doing early in the new year is I'll walk you through a little bit of um, some goal setting and I'll walk you through a goal setting process. And um, so stick around more to follow. It'll probably be maybe, um, maybe I'll probably do it on a live broadcast or something, pretty close to the the start of the new year. And it might be just part of the weekly live broadcast that I'm going to be doing. And right now I've earmarked uh, Wednesdays, every Wednesday to bring out a live broadcast on my YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to that. So I guess if I'm putting it into this podcast, I'm going to have to be held accountable to it. So guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast because there will be a weekly YouTube show coming out and I'm just kind of working my way through all the content and everything like that but it's on the books and I'm making a commitment here on the podcast to bring that out for you guys as well okay so guys remember one final time you know how we end off each and every one of these episodes in every interaction you have with another person always leave them feeling inspired encouraged and always come from a place of love bye for now y'all